Show me the tank. Show me the tank. Blow up! Previously on Empathy Machine, Andrew talked about how bad the book is. It's really weird, and then the book seems to be like punishing the character of Hooper. I mean, it seems to be punishing everybody, the reader, uh, everybody. <laughs> and how bad the sex chapter was. It, they do seem to go off the deep end rather quickly. <laughs> I mean, he goes right into like, do you ever fantasize about fucking a bunch of black guys? Yeah. And that's really in the book. Like, I thought, yes. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like Mel Gibson yes. brought up in his famous jacuzzi uh, tapes. <laughs> <laughs> the jacuzzi tape. <laughs> oh, God. Josh talked about why the movie still stands up. It's not just a, oh, well, then this happened. It is, no, he he gets the stones to go out and do this because he sees what is at stake. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of the things that has made the movie richer every time that I've watched it since then. They talked about Spielberg. There's recognizable human characteristics happening within it. And I think that's why Jaws is a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> there you go. Well, and it's interesting, especially I feel like it's pretty much inarguable that no one's had a larger impact on modern film culture than Spielberg. And if he's the last of his kind. There is a clear, I think, hope that maybe much like Spielberg was very young when he started that they'll find another wunderkind who just started as young as Spielberg did and worked his way up that way. It doesn't always work out. I'm not saying there will never be another Spielberg, but but maybe. Now rejoining your podcast already in progress. We've already gone far afield, and I feel like that's a whole other discussion because... That's true. I, I would love to debate the, like, uh, not worthiness, but I guess the, the skills and what we think people are going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's like... a totally just a nerd yeah topic but it does intrigue me a lot but to kind of wrangle back a little bit towards jaws let's you know what let's 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 grab this rudder mm-hmm. and and steer back into the oh i see the waters of jaws see, see, what I I see. There? why don't, why don't yeah. we uh why don't we latch these two uh lash these two barrels together and we'll uh we'll head for sure yes ex- <laughs> beautiful do you want to talk about our very special experience seeing Jaws on the water. We went to Austin, Texas. We made our pilgrimage to the, I guess, the homeland of surviving video rental places and Alamo Drafthouse Theaters. Uh, (laughs) And we uh, went to a water park on Lake Travis uh, called Valente, or I guess it was Valente Beach was the beach. I don't know if the water park was Valente Beach Park or something, but. I think it's now like Bayou Billy's or something. Yeah, well, whoever's it is, it was wonderful. It was fantastic. We went and we drank and we had barbecue and we sat in inner tubes and in a lake and waited for the sun to go down and watched Jaws. And it was, it was, inc- I don't know. It's like, it was incredible. I got, I drank a lot. <laughs> it, uh, I have to say it was 
a magical evening. <laughs> Just uh, the fact that there were hundreds of people there mm-hmm. to watch this 40 some year old movie at this point. 42. 42 year old movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. The whole setup. I mean, I've only been to Alamo draft houses a, a few times. I mean, I think, you know, I, I now have quadrupled the amount of times I've been there <laughs> since <laughs> when we went to Austin, I own some of their products. You know, I, I love their, their, their ethos, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. I think that just the idea of putting on jaws at a water park or at a lake would be enough. Like the projection was actually really well done and the sound was really good, Mm -hmm. especially considering that we were, you know, outside kind of on a windy lake, just the technical aspects of what they did. You can tell that they, they care about this shit and that it's important, which just makes me all the happier. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we got to, take home the inner tubes with the jaws themed stuff. And I've already blown one of mine back up and paddled around my pool with my daughter uh, here at the apartment complex. (laughs) And she loved it and wishes that she could go to uh, Austin now to do the same thing, which if summer wasn't so damn short, I might do it again. (laughs) All the details that they put into the event, I think were, were great. Like, you know, they've got a fantastic way of treating things like this. It seems yeah, so we get to the beach. It was super easy to check in mm-hmm. and and get our, our credentials and our waterproof cell phone bag. The waterproof cell phone bag, which is super important. Yeah, I, I just realized that we actually should probably do a, a show Instagram, and we can put up some of the pictures. That's right, because you were that taking would, pictures of me, and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> I think you spent a lot of time not knowing what was going on. Yep. <laughs> They did have special themed drinks. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole evening was great fun. And I think that there's, I don't know, there's like five different aspects I want to talk about. First of all, the fact that we got to sit on a lake um, in Texas mm-hmm. and like eat barbecue and drink Texas beer. Like th- that, that in and of itself. That was pretty great. Like that's a, that's enough. Like that's enough right there already. It was just a beautiful, like the way it was positioned on the lake. Like there's like a, a rise, like a hill like on the opposite side of the lake and the sun just kind of went it, it's like the hill godzilla comes over in in, in the original godzilla <laughs> yes, like it's that yeah. hill and the sun just goes down like right behind it. it's beautiful like you get these last little rays and as they're coming through the pre-shows going on with like clips from all kinds of shark things and you know goofy and otherwise like shark attack three i think like megalodon like all the weird stuff and then they had like old italian movies thrown in there and like just it was it was a blast yeah, that, that was a blast. <laughs> this is actually, it's the second time that you and I have seen Jaws in a public setting together. That's true. It was our day off on a film crew that we worked a few years ago. And I think most of, of the cast or most of the crew and some of the cast, mm-hmm. we went to the local theater here in Nashville where we're working, the Belcourt, which I also love dearly and watched a screening of Jaws after eating. What did we have? Falafels or something? Yeah, we were at a uh, K-Bob's. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they had like a kebab and gyro and, and whatnot. And uh, I forget what the, I think that was, they had like a spread for us, didn't they? Because we had a big party. Yes. Like a, a mid-wrap. I think we wrapped a, an actor or two that week or something. Yeah. Like maybe we, yeah. You know, I think that these kind of like repertory screenings are super important for film culture. 
not just because they help movies, older movies get seen. I mean, there's no shortage of ways to watch Jaws at this point, but the fact that they inspire like a sense of community, even at the, the local one that we went to here, local for me, not for you anymore. Uh, (laughs) But the local one we went to here, there were people on our crew that had never seen Jaws before. And and I was sitting next to another friend of ours who uh, at the moment where Ben Ben Gardner's head comes through the the hole in the boat, she jumped (laughs) and um, her, her pop went one way and her popcorn went the other. And it was just beautiful that, that this movie this movie can still inspire that kind of abject terror in people. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, I don't know, we we talked with strangers on the beach in Texas. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of had that same, uh, same sensation over and over again when we went to the... Uh, the Alamo draft houses, the other movies that we watched that week uh, when we went to the video store and to Waterloo records, <laughs> like it was the same mm-hmm. thing. Like Austin prizes its culture in kind of a, a punk sort of way. But I, I think that by and large people there tend to think that movies and music are important and it's important, not just like on an individual level, but for communities. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have so many like communal events have you gotten to do other stuff like that? Any other kind of cool screenings, any other rep screenings that are memorable or kind of like sparked conversations or friendships or anything like that? Well, first, I mean, I was going to jump in with all that and then you sort of did it, but I did want to add one thing. <laughs> Sorry. Cause I, I was the whole time you were saying, I was like, Ooh, I'm ready to say like this. And I was like, Oh wait, all right, he's got it. Okay, cool. But, uh, <laughs> no, the, uh, the, we, we, we just went out to eat, to, uh, lunch. And then we we were sitting at a place at the table next to us. People were buying a ticket to a movie at the draft house on their phones. Like they were like, "This is our day. We're going to go see a movie." Like just right. random people. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can tell a lot about a city by how they treat the arts. Mm-hmm. And Austin is a great city. Uh, and we didn't even we didn't even see much of it because we spent most of the time inside draft houses because it was so hot outside. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was just it was a wonderful time. It's it's interesting because. I, I live in Sacramento now and, and they don't, they have small rep theaters, but there's not quite like the draft house or the, uh, the bell court. They have rep screenings, but there's not the cult that people don't stick around to talk really after it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like, or maybe I just don't know the right people here yet. I don't know. Cause I've been here for too long, but uh, it just isn't quite the same. I mean, there, there's people I met really good friends that I just met. Cause I would see them all the time at the indie theater like our friend Chip. That's how I met right. him. I was just like, you're always here. <laughs> like, do you like, let's go get it. Let's go around the corner and get a drink. And let's talk about whatever the hell we just watched. And, right. uh, that's something that's great about Nashville too, is like, they definitely prioritize their, their, the arts and, uh, you know, mostly music, but also a little bit movies and the bell court's a really good place for the, for a bit of both. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, I've actually had rep screenings. My most recent rep screening experience in Sacramento was actually very, very bad, but it wasn't the fault of the theater, but I don't really want to talk about that. I, I was trying to think of, cause I, I'm trying to think back to like really good ones. And that one I can't get out of my head cause it was so bad. Well, y- use it as a, a comparison point maybe. Like- yeah. Uh, well, I went to see Lawrence of Arabia. They had a 35 millimeter print. Not as cool as 70 would have been, but I was fine. I was like, it said clearly advertised was 35. It was cool. And this guy was this guy just in the row behind me, just bitching the whole time. And people complain, and the theater management would come in, and he would be quiet. 
he would imagine would leave like he knew he could tell they were walking around and he like then he, when they were gone and he had like he just reeked of alcohol and he's just laughing you'd turn around and tell him to be quiet he'd be like oh fuck you who the fuck do you think you are and then like another guy like leaned forward and was like my daughter's never seen this movie he's like well you don't watch it just once this isn't a movie you watch just i mean it's just the worst experience <laughs> in the world and i'm like and then he ended up just like hunkering down in the rest in the bathroom outside after the theater because i really wanted to beat the shit out of him <laughs> i've never <laughs> wanted to punch someone that bad while sober while i was sober <laughs> i should okay <laughs> Just, just a word of warning to anyone who might go to a rep screening with with Andrew. I get punchy. He does get punchy. <laughs> I, I, I let him. Uh, I let Andrew punch me in the arm once for mm-hmm. uh, a, a a birthday because we had a, a fake fight in a parking lot. I had a bruise for at least three or four days. So what, everybody was that with the with the plastic cups where we had the plastic cup fight or no? No, no, it was. Um, uh, we were like walking around five points uh, and I think we we were talking about like we wanted to like stage a scene and, and have a, a brawl for, you know, because you could get whatever you wanted because it was your birthday uh, <laughs> and uh, and you punched me and, you know, it stung. So if you're sitting behind Andrew at a, at a theater, you, you best keep your mouth shut because mm-hmm. he could deliver a minor whooping <laughs> upon you. No, no punchbacks. Uh, no punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might hit and then run. Yeah, but still, uh, yeah, it, that that totally sucks. I'm sorry that you had to go through that because I don't think, especially at like a rep screening, you would expect there to be more kind of respect for the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, do do you have any like good experiences? I have, <laughs> I, have a, I have a handful of them that were like magical. Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen Raiders a few times in theaters, including in, at the Belcourt. Uh, and then I remember the Belcourt did a midnight screening of Jurassic Park. You might have been there mm-hmm. with me. Where, I mean, it was almost like the entire crowd karaoke the whole movie. Like right. every line, everybody knew. And it was one, I mean, including me. And it was great. And it, like, it, it's a movie that didn't really, like, it, it didn't suffer because everybody knew every line. Like, it wasn't like they're making fun of it. They were just very clearly like, and like, everybody loves that movie. Right. So I yeah, that that's a big that was a big one. I think I just needed to clear that that Lawrence of Arabia screening out of my Yeah. Cuz that that yeah. one came right away. I was like, "Yep, that one." There's a <laughs> lot of I mean, most of them have been at the Belcourt. The Belcourt's a very good very good theater and they had a, a they had a lot of good programming. They did a series right uh, not too long after I moved there called The Vision, Visions of the South. Uh-huh. Uh where they showed a lot of lesser known and not super like even now not very readily available movies that were very Southern themed. Like um, they showed cockfighter, the uh, Warren Oates movie that Monty oh, yeah, directed. Yeah. Uh, that was incredible. I mean, I'd seen it before, but I mean, it's a great movie. They showed that they showed Nicholas Ray's wind across the Everglades, which I don't think you can buy. I don't think it's available really. They, they got all these old prints and it was like every movie, even if I'd never heard of it, I was like, I should probably at least give it a shot. It's probably really right. good. I think they showed stars in my crown. Yeah. And I fell okay. in love with that movie. The, and that's out on like Warner Archive now. But that was just, I mean, it was a, a just pure discovery. Like just go, they, they, they got like some, you know, they, they're non, are they a nonprofit or are they, because uh, they get public, they get funding from people from like donors. I know. Yeah. Because I was a donor for a while on like a very low level, but I was still technically a donor, uh, a member, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, I, 
I did the membership thing for a few years and I might actually re up again this year. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been able to get to the bell cord as much as I would like in the past year. Mm-hmm. It's been hyper busy. I shouldn't justify it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should justify it because I am supporting the arts in my community. And yeah, the bell court has been a great place. I mean, you know, annually when you were here and mm-hmm. I continue to go to the 12 hours of terror. Yes. The screening that they have uh, in October and they, you know, put on a great mix of well-known and weird, obscure horror films. And then like, there's always a surprise movie during that screening which is it's a lot of fun you know they have a band play in between movies like it's just they put on a whole a great evening Mm -hmm. last year i got to go and uh watch the shining in a full theater because of i I believe the ticket to 12 hours of terror also gave you a free ticket to the shining Mm -hmm. the the following week which was awesome like i bought you know i i took my son and our friend eli we all went to the 12 hours of terror and then i got to go back in the shining and then after the shining it rolled directly into night of the living dead <laughs> which was just like a bonus uh which i had actually seen at the bell court before and it's one of that's one of my favorite memories it's one of the first things i saw i think there several years ago we were actually setting up to do rocky horror that evening so we were just hanging around and they showed night of the living dead and there was a bunch of people who hadn't seen it who were kind of like goofing on a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then by the time it gets to the end, everybody was so into it. And yeah. I, I, I loved that aspect of it, that it was like, you know, once again, the, the power of the movie. I had a similar experience. I got to see up at the, the football stadium in Chicago. They showed Psycho. They did like a whole screening of uh, Halloween movies during the month of October or horror movies. And I don't know if you've ever been in a football stadium full of people watching the same movie. <laughs> but that was just this kind of amazingly weird, mind blowing uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And then actually just last week after we got back from Austin, I went on a date to go see uh, La La Land with the national symphony, which was another weird experience. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. The, the actual presentation wasn't great. I was a little, I was a little miffed at the uh, projection of the film. Oh. I, I felt like they could have done better, uh, especially saying that it's a very controlled environment versus a beach where we saw Jaws. Right. And I felt, I felt like the projection was actually better there. <laughs> but it was another experience of getting to go and interact with a big group of people, all like watching this movie that we'd all probably seen before at least a couple times. And a lot of things that you miss, like living in a small town that you get in a big city that prizes its arts are things like that. Like, you know, they're always putting on kind of multimedia shows like that at the skirmer horn that I guess would get, it mixes the, the lowbrow and the highbrow worlds. And I think that's really important to introduce people to the ideas that art can do more than just kind of like sit on your wall Mm -hmm. the idea of like rep screenings or uh, the pre-shows at the Mm -hmm. at the draft house right i mean i think every theater should do like pre-shows like that for movies it's it's such a brilliant idea because not only does it is it better than the dumbass trivia and promos they get that you normally get you know like check out this series on youtube red no uh 
No, thank you. <laughs> right. Instead of that, you could, you would get like Edgar Wright before Baby Driver talking about his top five favorite car chases. You get like a way to contextualize the movie as much as possible in advance for an audience that is otherwise just going to see a bunch of previews for other things and then watch your movie. You know, it's like a really smart way to do it. Uh, I remember, um, well, we had Baby Driver was one of the movies we saw at the draft house that had that very specific, like produced interview segments with Edgar Wright introducing it. And then they also, we went to see it, it comes at night and that had a very eerie, really like good oh, yes, yeah. pre-show about like, you know, just old footage of children trying on gas masks like black and white footage of that black and white footage of like people putting a gas mask on a horse. <laughs> it was kind of amazing. I was like, Oh, well that's, that's real. Like some people were sitting next to us and they were like, that's like, that, that's crazy that they did that. And I'm like, it's really thoughtful. Like I really consider it like, right. <laughs> to make a gas mask for a horse. And you also reminded me of another screening that I went to actually the first rep screening I went to when I moved out here was ET with a live orchestra. That sounds pretty great. That was a, emotionally overwhelming uh, <laughs> in every way <laughs> and that that was pretty decent projection to go along with it too but they had like a an intermission i don't know if i'm mm-hmm. sure lala had something similar yes yes you don't think about it but they, they had to have a separate track that for of the movie a separate audio track that didn't have any of the score on it right that's you know so that's they had that and then that's running alongside the score and like it's just at first you'd like notice it that there's like you know musicians playing something and then then you kind of just get into the movie and by the time you know the big by like an hour in you know you're like forget there's even i mean not in a bad way like you, you, it's just everything kind of you're just watching a movie at that point which is great right the interesting thing that la la land had was the fact that a lot of it's about music mm-hmm. so that kind of added another element where it brought you back to realizing that there were live people playing some of those solos and stuff and that was amazing mm-hmm. also gotten to see uh like silent films mm-hmm. projected with like different organists or combos or things a few times and that's always cool because it's just like you get to see it's their interpretation and I remember when I was in college, I was in a music program and that was one of the things that we had to go see was like a a lecture by this guy who was an organist and the fact that he could like color your experience of the film with what he decided to play. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool. And it's something that's definitely stuck with me and kind of sparked my interest in like these different ways of, of watching a movie, the kind of these different forms of it. Oh, definitely. In general, support your local rep theater. And I should take this advice myself. If they're not uh, living up to like what you want them to be, then go go in there and and help out, <laughs> which I should probably do. Yeah, I, I don't know where like nationwide. I mean, it, kind of the Alamo and uh, the New Bev are. I think the the well known ones. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the New Beverly is obviously just like the one location. But I would say the Belcourt probably ranks fairly high. Mm-hmm. They have gotten more into doing individualized pre-shows and they have uh, presenters for a lot of like special events and stuff. And sometimes I've gone to watch a movie and didn't even know there was going to be a presenter there. But instead of having, you know, the trivia or whatever beforehand, you might get like a a local critic or somebody Mm -hmm. talking about the movie, which it's kind of like getting to go to a film festival all year round. Or just kind of whenever you want to, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know going and watching twenty movies in three days or whatever kind of crazy shit we do at film festivals. It's it's something that I think should be prized, and I don't think that watching a movie on your own 
or whatever format you watch it in necessarily like lessens your understanding of the movie. Mm -hmm. But I do think that seeing it on a big screen in public with a bunch of people can expand your understanding of a movie. If I can argue both sides of my point there. (laughs) Actually, uh, I think a really good example is in theaters right now. I went to see, I mean, we both went to see Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh I ended up seeing it the Thursday after it opened or the Thursday night that it previewed before Friday when it opened or I forget how, I forget what date it actually opened on. Right. There was a big crowd and a lot of people dressed as Spider-Man and everybody was really into the movie. And like before the movie, I heard people there saying like, oh man, I like, you know, this is, I've been waiting for this since I was a kid, like, you know, like really excited about it. And there was just really good atmosphere in the room. And I probably laughed at a lot of jokes in the movie just because the crowd was laughing at him and had a much more pleasant time than I probably will at home. Not that it's a bad movie. I actually think it's quite good, but I think you get a better, like a more complete experience when you're in a room full of people laughing or, or reacting to something. And that's just one example of, of that. I think if I watch it at home, you might pause it. You might go do something. You might sort of look away at your phone for a second. But in a movie, when you can give a film your undivided attention and you're surrounded by people who are doing the exact same thing, I think there's something kind of amazing about that. Oh, definitely. And I don't know. It's, it's something that, I've gotten more into as I've gotten older is like taking the time to go to a movie, especially to like specialty screenings or like events type of things. Just recently I've now seen baby driver twice in the theater. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I saw wonder woman twice in the theaters. Um, I saw guardians of the galaxy two twice once at a Mm drive-in. And a lot of these are because I go and see something on my own and then I go and see it with my, with one of my kids and just the the ability to get to talk about stuff like that with them. You know, they're getting to ages now where they want to talk about why certain things are good and why certain things are bad. You know, I went with my son just the other day to see Spider-Man Homecoming. We agreed that the, the fact that there was a bunch of people there who were also excited helped the movie. Mm-hmm. When we walked out, we went to like an afternoon showing. When we walked out, the theater was packed. There was a line of people waiting to get in for the next showing i have to say that that warmed my heart (laughs) oh yeah you know getting to see like kids in costumes ready to see the movie i've never grown up i i don't think i was wearing a superhero t-shirt that day but it it, you know (laughs) it probably wasn't far off i might have been wearing like batman socks or something but i i think you know there are films that are definitely made for like quiet reflection but even something like going to see the witch you know i I'm already prone to panic attacks. Seeing that in a like a crowded theater, everybody shut up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone was on the wavelength. Some people like straight up walked out because it was too weird. <laughs> but getting to see it with a whole bunch of people who were all like deeply paying attention to this f- film that doesn't feel like it should play to that big of an audience mm-hmm. was that it was beautiful. Um, it was really kind of a, a great evening and it. You know, I definitely felt like Satanists were going to, we're going to jump us on the <laughs> way out. But yeah, I think that this kind of thing is so important. And obviously like for me personally, well, talking about movies in a public space is the reason that you and I are friends. It's our mutual friend, Eli, who you were roommates with at the time came into the store where I worked. And he was talking with someone else about movies and I butted into their conversation and you know, that's how we became friends. And you know, I think it's obviously like our lives kind of revolve around the arts, but I think it's something that can enrich 
pretty much anybody's life is growing your community of people that you can talk about, whether it's visual arts or books or music or whatever, whatever it is that trips your trigger, whatever it is that turns you on. I think it's like vitally important that we kind of have these conversations because otherwise, you know, what is civilization good for? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like otherwise you end up with, uh, you know, disgruntled people who just don't meet people like they like things and then they just don't. I think part of uh, part of liking things is finding out how to how to talk about them and finding out what other people see in them and getting different perspectives on the things you like, I think is as important as enjoying the things you like. Right. Uh, even if they're perspectives that you don't agree with. Like I think uh, there's very, there's, there's more than a handful of movies that you and I don't necessarily agree or, or we have slightly differing opinions on, you know? And I think that's interesting. Like I like exploring where that divide is. Right. I feel like, you know, some, some people, I don't know they, they kind of, they hear a different viewpoint. They don't, they, they, they withdraw. They're like, wait a second, but I'm right. It's like, well, no. And I think being open to different viewpoints is part of what makes you just a well-rounded person. Right. And some of this comes from me having read a lot of Phil K. Dick and just being open to the idea that maybe I'm crazy and the world is, (laughs) maybe I'm just slowly losing my mind. And if the world goes crazy, maybe I'm just, maybe it's sane (laughs) and I'm crazy. And part of it comes from just, you know, being just, you it's it's important to if there's anything i've learned from from film i mean you could boil it down to like an artist's perspective on a certain story transmitted as unfiltered as as they can possibly get from their brain to yours i believe alex cox made the point that uh dreams the typical dream that you have actually lasts about 85 to 90 minutes which just happens to be feature length runtime you know required to have a feature length right. feature, uh, film I don't think that's an accident. Like being open to other perspectives is the same thing as like, it's like why we, we talk about, you know, like Josh, you said earlier, like a movie will tell you how to watch it within the first five minutes. But you, you also have to go in being open to the, you have to allow the movie to tell you how to watch it, you know? Right. I think that the, the higher the level of, of discourse about the arts, the healthier uh, uh, global community that exists (laughs) (laughs) yes to to take it and make it incredibly broad and that it touches everything but is what i do yeah but also (laughs) like that's the thing that we believe i mean it might just be kind of how we justify our own endeavors you know personally and professionally that the arts touch everybody but (laughs) I really think that they do. And I think that going to whether it's your local multiplex and lining up outside for whatever MCU movie is coming out that week, or it's getting to go to something like Jaws on the Water or, you know, a local exhibition, a video art installation, anything like that, anything where you're going to put yourself in public discourse. I mean, you pretty much have to start hearing other people out when you do these things. It helps you as a person, which in turn helps society. And that's a beautiful thing. I don't know. I feel like I should have had some <laughs> other great, great tagline for that, but that's just, you know, my incredibly sincere view of it is that it's, it's good for everybody. Movies. They're good for everybody. So we're starting our, our own religion based around this is where this is going. We're starting our own, our own belief, our own uh, system. You know, we'll, we'll uh, accept credit card numbers. Uh, uh-huh. no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. We totally will accept credit card. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's, that's one of the things 
that makes Jaws so important to get back to Jaws a little bit is that beautiful. It's um, it's a common ground you have with just about everybody. Mm-hmm. An example is like a lot of times when I was growing up, my my uh, my mom would always be like, "He knows every director of every movie. Just ask him." And people, you know, when I'm at family gatherings or like we're at church or something, like people would always ask me movies. And the the, the trick of that is they're always going to ask you movies they know, and right. that's it's obvious who the director is. So it's like, oh, E.T., Spielberg, uh, Titanic, uh, James Cameron. But, uh, you know, so you would get things like that. And and I think the fact that everybody's seen these movies is it speaks to their value. Like, obviously, you could show a, a million, you know, a billion people. You could show them all a terrible movie. And the value of that movie may inflate based on the fact that we would all then have that common ground, you know, right. to talk about it. I mean, you have to hunt really hard to find a really, like, really irredeemable movie, I think. I definitely concur on that front. I think that you can learn from anything, especially if you are someone who uh, wants to make movies or, you know, I think we've discussed this before, but, like, if you like to think critically about things, Mm -hmm. then pretty much anything that you encounter, you know, is worthy of your your time and consideration. Uh, And, you know, I don't want to rip off Film Crit Hulk, but... I kind of just want to rip off film crit Hulk like all the time <laughs> because he seems to have a very broad view of what is important filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I totally want to adopt that because it, it only broadens your own horizons to accept things, you know, uh, jokingly, we said, we we're going to touch on something more obscure and it was jaws, <laughs> but I think that jaws or it comes at night, like, you can have worthy discussions about the merits of, of both of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they both help me understand the craft and people around me, people who made it, why did they make it? What's important about it? All, all those like, you know, great conversations that generally you have in the parking lot or in the lobby of the theater afterwards, Mm -hmm. or in the case of it comes at night uh, in the bar that was attached to the Alamo draft house that we went to. That, that only played Bruce Springsteen songs. The, oh, oh, it was like, <laughs> it was heaven for me. It was kind of great. Yeah. Like I, I, I remember we left and I was like, did they, was that only Bruce Springsteen? It was like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were sitting there talking about it and like, I, I didn't want to talk about it too much in case there were people there who hadn't seen it. Right. Or people there and I, I or people there who were there with us necessarily and might've had a different opinion, but I was sort of like waiting for someone to be like, or for other people to come in there with us. Cause like that movie especially kind of requires like a drink maybe. And at least a lot of discussion <laughs> when you get out of it. Uh, yes. I wasn't expecting for that movie in particular. Cause I mean, it's been out for a while. It had been out for a while before we saw it in Austin. And I just, I've just hadn't gotten up to, I was like, Oh, I got to go drive and go see it somewhere. And I don't really know anyone who wanted to go see it here that I knew of. So I was like, oh, okay, well I'll just, you know, wait and maybe it'll, I'll just run it on iTunes at some point, but seeing it in a theater, in that environment with that pre-show with like just sitting in a, you know, the other thing that's interesting about the draft house is the theaters are a lot smaller because they have to make room for the, or at least some of them are, uh, are smaller than a regular theater. Cause a, a lot of the rooms that would be there for seating is actually kind of like a, a bar where you can eat food. And, uh, and there's like a, a an aisle for the waiters and uh, servers to come through. So, so it's, a, it's a small theater already that, that has, that they're showing this at. It's just like, not a ton of people in there and it's very intimate. Yeah. It was a very quiet movie too. It was very good sound in the theater. Like 
it was just a it was just a really memorable experience. The actually the only other time the the screening I, w- I would compare the most to is the second time I went to see The Master in theaters, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies on any given day. It may be my favorite movie. I went to see it. And I was in L.A. and there was a tiny theater like the Los Feliz Three, and they 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 had a, a few small screens, but the screen that I w- I saw it on. It wasn't huge. The room was pretty small, but the, the the sound was incredible, and the picture was super crisp. And it was like that. That was the second time I saw it, and that was when I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" Like I just <laughs> I, I like sat through all the credits because I just did. I was like, I just, I kind of wanted to just stay there for a while, you know? Like it was just it was just wonderful. There's a couple more theatrical experiences that were great, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of movies uh, about you know the ocean. And uh, water, I mean, Jaws. Now we're back. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, hey, Jaws. <laughs> what's, so, so what's your earliest memory of watching Jaws? It's actually watching it uh, when I was a kid for a couple of years. We lived with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was on like WGN or something. And I kind of conflate all of them. Mm-hmm. But also at, the, at that point in time, I, mean, I was super young. Like this was like first grade or something for me. We would also, we, we rented a VCR from the library. Mm-hmm. I remember at that point in time, I was obsessed with ET and it was when my parents had explained to me that there was like a window between when movies were out in theaters and when he could get them on tape <laughs> a little bit later than that. I watched Goonies over and over. I watched the tape of, um, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, the Disney like double featurette, I guess, mm-hmm. where they had their, their legend of sleepy hollow, uh, which I loved and watched over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I remember in that same setting watching parts of jaws. So it's something that I feel like is, it's almost like burned within me. It's intrinsic that <laughs> these, <laughs> these few films also you know, Indiana Jones. And mm-hmm. I guess there were a couple other things uh, along with uh, watching Cubs baseball games with my grandfather. Cause this all kind of happened in the same setting. I feel like all of these things are, are are part of the backbone of who I am from like a very young age. So it was actually, I feel like it was a lot of years that, I mean, Jaws is still like a comfort movie for me, but it wasn't until it came out on DVD where I feel like I watched it with a, with a critical eye. Mm-hmm. It was one of the movies that I would just kind of put on in the background, you know, as, as I got older and had access to it more often. It's certain things kind of when the the DVD revolution happened, um, there were certain films that I went back and revisited that haven't really made it into my adulthood. Mm -hmm. They was like, Oh, well that was a childish thing that I appreciated as a child and I can't find the same enjoyment in it now. But jaws has only like grown in my estimation. Mm -hmm. You know, it worked totally just as like, Oh, this is an exciting movie that you can watch, you know, for, with a bucket of popcorn and, it's, you know, we could give it a much more, I think, scholarly uh, discussion than we even have here. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of vague. But, yeah, I remember watching it super early. And then uh, again on, you know, when the I don't remember, like, what anniversary edition of the DVD. I remember it had a foil cover. Yeah. Uh, came out. <laughs> what, what about you? What, what are your earliest uh, reckonings of it? So I must have seen it at some point before this because I knew I knew of it either that or I knew of it because I knew it was the same guy who did Jurassic Park because so I'm, 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 I'm a bit younger than you so I, I wasn't allowed to see Jurassic Park in theaters and so I was like waiting for that and I think I was with my grandparents as well visiting them 
and we went to Walmart and they had Jaws on VHS and I bought the letterbox. It was letterboxed. And I was like, I don't oh, know nice. what that means. <laughs> and this is how I found out what widescreen was. So I watched the letterbox VHS of Jaws and I remember watching it with my granddad because during the scene where they're going out to hunt the shark, the guy, he was the guy that Quint was based on, is talking, he's like, uh, the sons of bitches will wish their uh, fathers had never met their mothers. <laughs> and, yes. and my, I remember my granddad saying, like, you know, oh, I don't know why they got to talk like that. And I remember just thinking, like, I, didn't, oh, like, I was like, I don't like it doesn't it wasn't registering because I was like, there's a shark in this movie. <laughs> like, I don't care about the language <laughs> the same way. I didn't care about the, the, the full frontal nudity, nudity in the opening scene that somehow made it into a PG movie because it's slightly obscured. Like right. I was like, I'm, you know, I'd never even re- I mean, not until we got to Blu-ray. was that even really a thing? But like, good God. <laughs> like it's amazing like <laughs> it showed up on 35 millimeter i guarantee it oh yeah but yeah that, that's a and then the blu-ray came out and they did a bunch of rep screenings i think i saw it at a rep screening and i watched the blu-ray in pretty short order like i think the blu-ray came out around the time we went to we went out with the cast uh the the crew and the cast from uh right. from that movie and i remember seeing on the on the blu-ray there's like a shooting star <laughs> that you can see in the background yes. And it, it almost looks fake. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. If it is, it's a weird thing to put in there. But it's crazy. It's like something I'd never seen before. I was like, whoa. And yeah, the transfer is incredible. And uh, obviously, it was the same thing that was being... Uh, I don't know. I think the screening was probably the same 4K transfer. Uh, they don't always do film there. Right. And I, I'm sure it was digital where we watched it on the lake too. But still, I mean, Jaws is Jaws. Yeah, I've I've now watched Jaws like probably in the the it's definitely the the movie that I've seen in the most environments mm-hmm. because uh, it is regularly my one of my go to films on a plane mm-hmm. because first of all I love it secondly it's it's comforting and apart from you know uh, uh, the massive amounts of nudity in the first couple minutes <laughs> it's a pretty clean film so I don't feel weird. Uh, watching it on my iPad, you know, with a, a grandmother or a, you know whatever beside me, mm-hmm. but it is a a movie that ever since digital copies became a thing has almost continuously lived on my devices. Mm-hmm. There, there's a few of them: uh, Jaws, Breakfast Club, Big Lebowski, that are just pretty much always on there. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of years, I've added a uh, Fury Road because I don't know if you ever if you're ever feeling sleepy Mm -hmm. because you're you know been in airports and on a plane all day and then you have to go shoot just watch like a half hour of fury road as you're getting ready to land (laughs) you will be up it's it's better than like a red bull (laughs) and healthier (laughs) arguably yes (laughs) well yeah no that's a uh that's interesting you mentioned it as a plane movie because i definitely have had weird like i almost had a really weird plane movie experience on the way back from austin because i was watching a cure for wellness Uh uh-huh Oh yeah, that's right. That was uh there's some interesting stuff. I mean, nudity and violence I was not expecting and just also just weird stuff. Like there's a lot of scenes there's no nudity but they just happen to take place in a steam bath and I'm like it's just it's it's, it's there's there could be, you know, you got to like uh right. You got to angle it away from people. <laughs> so that was that was interesting. So th- it's important to yeah, picking up a good plane movie is a uh, is a skill. And Jaws is one that, you know, it's it's defensible even if they catch it during a during a during a weird moment. Like you can be like, it's Jaws, and they'd be like, Oh, okay. Right. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, actually on the plane back, it was the first time I've been uh, on a flight that was really like undersold for a long time. Mm-hmm. So 
I had my whole, I had my own whole row to myself. Oh, wow. Which was like, I mean, not just the, the three that I was sitting in, but the three across the aisle were empty as well. Mm-hmm. So I could like spread out a little bit. And I used that time to watch all the president's men. Nice. I mean, yeah. e- even when I, I, I could have went with something racier, I watched a political thriller. Yeah. I hear, I hear they're, uh, they're going to make a, a new, a new, a new version of all the president's men. And they're going to call, they're going to call it stupid. All the president's men. It'll be about <laughs> stupid Watergate. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I, I, yeah. Who knows? No, I, actually there were people talking about, it. they said like, who should do it? And a lot of people are saying like, David Gordon Green, Jody Hill, Danny McBride. Just give yeah. them an HBO series about the 2016, uh, 17 Donald Trump being a dumb president. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, okay. There's one thing I think that we did in our kind of our background research that we haven't touched on here. Okay. And I would like to for a moment, and that's Blue Water White Death. Ah, the the movie with all the whale murder. Yes. Um, so... <laughs> at least in the edition of the book that I have, uh, Benchley talks about this documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you have the same copy. I think I do. Uh, it's the one you were reading with your, with your little cat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah see, that needs to go up on the, on the gram. See? Yeah. <laughs> but, or we, we could just link to our personal Instagrams too. Well, yeah, but then there's going to be a bunch of other bullshit. Like I, I, like I, I for I, one I don't know. have a no bullshit policy for Instagram, sir. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of bullshit <laughs> in his introduction to whatever edition of the book that I picked up. Peter eventually talks about the fact that this documentary helped inspire him mm-hmm. and he still thinks that it's the finest shark film ever made. He would. Yeah, he would. <laughs> That's I know. What did you, what did you think? Do you have any interesting insights apart from the massive amounts of like needless? I guess it's not needless, the the scene in the book where um, Quint makes the shark eat its own entrails is needless animal murder. Mm-hmm. I guess the ones in the the movie are kind of questionable. But uh, what were your thoughts about Blue Water White Death? Uh, thanks for reminding me about the book again. The movie is very beautiful to look at. Uh-huh. I know I, we we've talked a lot about the whale murder, which it's not in, like you said not entirely senseless and also purposeful because they use it to lure the that's what they use to lure the great white shark. Right. Basically, you know, uh, if you've seen the shallows, a whale uh, carcass attracts a shark in that as well. So kind of a nice little nod to blue water, white death, I suppose. Maybe not intentional. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's a it's actually it's it's kind of a travelogue, too, as much as a movie about sharks. Like there's there is really good footage of sharks in it. There's also just really beautiful shots of like a train, the shadow of a train cast on the beach with the ocean like right past it. I don't think there are any like coastal train tracks that low to the, the surface of the beach in the United States that at least I haven't uh-huh. seen them before. So it was kind of a unique perspective. They go to some interesting locations and, and get some really crazy footage. I think it should be shown on a loop every, sh- like on shark week, My, uh-huh. much like a Christmas story is shown on Christmas. Right. Cause not only is it a pretty solid, a really solid movie about sharks, it also has the implicit fuck whales <laughs> ethos. Yeah, whales are cool, but they're not sharks. And they never yeah, will be. It's weird because <laughs> you see them, you know, chop up whales. I believe they like spear one at one point and just kind of like cut it up and let it bleed out beside the ship. Yeah. Uh, and they just kind of drag it along as 
basically a giant chum bucket, <laughs> like a, a giant whale gut pinata. <laughs> but they also show a sequence where they show whale being butchered. Yeah. I mean, actual like like harvested at this kind of seaside plant sort of thing, which is, I don't know, it's it's astonishing watching these guys like run around with these giant knives cutting up a whale. Yeah. The whole time I kept thinking about just like, the smell. It's like you come you, you come home from that and you can get a shower, but you're not gonna. There's not enough water pressure to get that off of you. That's no, no. I, yeah. I used to work. I used to work at a, a steak and shake when I was in high school, and everything I owned smelled like fries. I can't imagine. That sounds <laughs> amazing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. See, it, it sounds amazing to begin with. Yeah. But then you realize that like fry grease goes rancid and oh, oh yeah, yeah. That was horrible. It was like when I worked at a movie theater, everything smelled like popcorn. And now like, I just, yeah. If, if like I, I eat a lot of popcorn and like, I don't know. It's like, it put me off popcorn for a little bit. That's for sure. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. But, but then when we went and saw Baby Driver, you bought a bottomless bowl of popcorn. But I didn't do the bottom. I didn't do it bottomless. No. I we just no, had no. the one because, because yeah. yeah, you know, we never ate a meal at the draft. Oh no, we had the pizza. I we did have back. pizza. Yeah. Also, we ate enough in Austin. <laughs> the day that you got the bottomless popcorn, mm-hmm. I believe was the day that I had three different milkshakes, one of them alcoholic and two pork belly sandwiches. So, <laughs> and then the day the, that was the day before we went to Torchy's tacos and almost died eating Torchy's tacos in 110 oh. degree or 108. I don't know. It was hot. It was, it was hot. It was a humid hot that I'm not used to up here in Northern California. It was much less humid than I'm used to here in Nashville. So <laughs> I would recommend, yeah, I don't know if you're a fan of, of jaws and you want a little more uh, shark culture, especially from the seventies, or if you're a fan of like documentaries in general, mm-hmm. I do think blue water, white death is, it, it feels like a really good time capsule. And apart from like the, the, the stunning footage, I kind of loved just the vibe of it in a kind of a, like a endless summer sort of way. Like you just, you're kind of spending time with the people on this crew. They're, insane yeah, they, they are weird people they are utterly insane They're, they are crazy for sharks <laughs> like and they just kind of cavalierly risk their lives repeatedly to you know try to capture new footage and get new insights into uh, aquatic life i thought it was i thought it was pretty great i would definitely uh watch it again i was kind of dreading it actually when i first mm-hmm. put it on but i think it's on itunes for it was pretty cheap was it not it was like six bucks to buy i think it's like 5.99 and it's like yeah. a nice hd transfer and you can rent it too for like four bucks but i mean i mean might as well just buy it at that point yeah i would recommend it as well uh, the, the obviously and I, I think we haven't quite mentioned it yet because it eventually mentions it in his book that he was a big fan of it but they also use the people who shot it uh to shoot shark footage for the film jaws where they put yes. a midget in a cage dressed up as richard dreyfus as Hooper and they, or they were going to put a midget in a cage, but the shark destroyed the cage. Yes. And they used the footage of the shark destroying the cage. I think they did ultimately end up using some footage of the, I'm sorry, little, little person, per- little person. Thank you. <laughs> that sounds so much worse to me, but yeah, the, the, the footage of, and that ended up leading them to rewrite the ending of Jaws so that Hooper survives, which saved the movie. Cause of course he, he doesn't come back in any of the sequels, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd always known that like a documentary crew shot and not always, but you know, since that DVD mm-hmm. copy, certainly, you know, they talked about it, I think way back then on one of the making of type things. 
the footage that they use in Jaws, I, I kind of feel like is nothing compared to the footage in that documentary. Mm-hmm. There is just a wealth of, of beautiful shots. And I think we're all like a little bit spoiled with, you know, planet earth and planet earth two and everything, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've come a long way, but even back then, like 40 some odd years ago, there's just some stuff that, you know, well, I think is, is still pretty jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. considering you know all the technical limitations that they were working with at the time oh definitely yeah like now the limited camera it was express purpose is to shoot very high frame rate video in a very difficult place to reach and then you know like right it, now they're yeah so they can shoot anything they want for planet earth but like there's there is something fascinating about having someone essentially or having a group of people embedded with a, a bunch of lunatics hunting sharks <laughs> you know <laughs> it is really neat and yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely a fan cool Cool. <laughs> to go back to the remember the first time i saw jaws or my earliest memory of jaws watching that letterboxed vhs uh-huh. that might have been one of the first times i saw like blood in a movie because i know the tv version at least it used to i don't think it does anymore it would cut out the part of uh like so basically quint gets bit by the shark and then gets dragged into the water it cuts out the like screaming and blood gurgling out okay and i had not but so i didn't see that until like the vhs and i was like man like I've always been attracted to like really violent scenes in movies for some reason. Uh-huh. Not like, not like just gore for the sake of gore. Like I can't, I mean, I'll watch them, but like the stuff, like some of Fulci's stuff just like grosses me out. Cause it doesn't, it's just like, well, it's like just being nasty for the sake of being nasty. But when you're really into a movie and something really like viciously gory happens, like my earliest movie memories are things I wasn't supposed to watch. Like the fly when Jeff Goldblum, snaps that guy's arm when they're arm wrestling right like i still hate broken bones like it's still i have like a visceral reaction anytime i see that in a movie it drives me nuts because of that and like robocop when there's like the toxic waste guy gets hit by the car and then just explodes into like soup oh i love that i love that scene so much it's so great but i remember seeing that and be like oh my god i don't even know what this is like and i've always i I kind of even like up to recently like i remember uh, 17 when his or 16 or 17 when history of violence came out and i remember the violence in that movie was so visceral and i was like i, I just hadn't seen i hadn't seen a lot of the bigger you know, you know a lot of violent stuff still at that point and i remember that just being like it just hit me like i was like yeah that's that's incredible and spielberg did munich the same year that had a lot of the same stuff and i, I don't know like there's something about i'm not saying like i love violence i want to see people get hurt all the time but when like you're invested in a movie and you really care about the people and history of violence especially where it's pivots and shows something like you've never seen before or even right. like you know jaws it's like it's a way of escalating the stakes that's really interesting and i don't know i'd always like especially when it looks realistic like there's sometimes like i think my only complaint about something like no country for old men is occasionally the cgi blood looks fake right and so that's a little weird but yeah that's my my earnest plea for violence in movies love it can't get enough of it <laughs> <laughs> wow that's I didn't expect you to be advocating violence on our podcast. I mean, within, re- I mean, yeah, like, With, yeah. I don't ever want to see another rape scene in a movie ever again, period. They shouldn't have raped anyone in a movie after Straw Dogs. I'm just going to throw that yeah, out there. It's, uh, See, that's everything that yeah, ever that's needs whole, to be said about rape in one rape scene, and then we can move on with our lives. <laughs> that's a whole bag of... That's a bag of cans of worms right that's there. True, that's I true, like. yeah. But I, I specifically mean like, you know, just violence that, you know, doesn't take away. Violent, violence that is a piece of the narrative or, or raises the narrative to, to a level. Like like in Jaws, when Quint spits out blood, it's like 
another thing it's like oh god like not only is this shark gonna eat people but it's gonna it's gonna make them spit up blood like it's like a, it's a visceral like visual like oh no like i don't want that to happen to these people you know uh, right kind of i didn't know like i knew i thought it would bite them and pull them off screen i didn't know it was gonna hurt them <laughs> it's just it's just good filmmaking <laughs> <laughs> spitting up blood yeah it's just good filmmaking it's just good filmmaking you can put that on the on the poster no i totally agree with you there are times when it, just the right deployment of of viscera or or violence can really like it draws you in or heightens the stakes for me i remember it's something as silly as lost boys mm-hmm. there's uh the scene of the attack on like the the beach party mm-hmm. uh one of the the vamps bites like the skinhead like right on the head mm-hmm. and there's like this beautiful arc of blood that is is shocking Mm-hmm. kind of in this fantasy world helps bring it home a little bit more i guess recently baby driver i don't know if you noticed when we went and saw that mm-hmm. there were two or three points where i jumped yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's when, uh it, ha- it has some uh it packs a punch in a couple of moments that's for sure <laughs> yeah well actually at the uh, green room is a perfect example because you want to talk uh, yeah. about the that they like there's one act of violence in that movie that's like so painful and yes. it's like oh like and it and the, the, uh, and it happens so early that the rest of the movie you're just like there's like this dread on top of the suspense you're already feeling it's so great <laughs> yeah jeremy Saulnier is just he's really good at that in kind of like a coen brother sort of way mm-hmm. the violence that happens is even in a movie where you're expecting violence it's unexpected yeah like exactly when it happens it's kind of sloppy it's it's got a i don't know like nothing is perfect there's no like beautiful matrix style shots of somebody kicking somebody else's ass it's always like you know they're scrambling and smacking at each other and oh god it's so Mm -hmm. uh it is beautiful it's beautiful in a way Mm -hmm. and it helps you empathize with those characters kind of like you don't even have to like them and you feel bad for them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right or like when yeah like i mentioned history of violence like when he just like shoves that guy's nose up like he he hits like uses the palm of his hand to like shove that guy's nose up into his head i was like oh god yeah oh <laughs> i feel like we shouldn't end with the discussion of the merits of violence necessarily in film but 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 maybe <laughs> but possibly maybe yeah i i think that uh it just kind of touches on the fact that we could probably talk about jaws forever and use it as an insight into a lot of other things a lot of Mm -hmm. pieces of how film works i think for us is it's a formative part of both of our understandings of film Mm -hmm. so we could talk about any movie in relationship to jaws it's (laughs) it's it is like a touchstone for us so yeah we could keep going just about anything and we probably will You'll see in future episodes how something that's formative like this refracts everything that we see after it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is the thing that, that we gravitate towards, you know, it's going to enhance our understandings or color our understandings of future films that we talk about. Oh, definitely. I, I was just thinking, like, I feel like part of the reason. So when, on my flight out to Austin, uh, I was sitting next to my second flight. Um, I was sitting next to a. Uh, a woman who was there with her her she had two kids and and one of them was a, like a four-year-old boy who was wearing a t-shirt had a shark on it and he loves sharks and i'm like oh boy like 
and, and he hadn't seen Jaws yet, and and I, I basically was trying to advise the mom, like like she was like, do you think like you know when do you think he's appropriate? And I'm like, I mean, and trying not to say show it to him right now, like just show it, go for it, just see what happens, because he's not right. my kid. I don't care. <laughs> like I kind of want to see what happens, but I, I was just kind of like, yeah, I was like, my my best answer was like, I think the things that we would think he shouldn't see, like that you might think he like he was would be inappropriate for him, he wouldn't care about. He would just want to see right. the shark, you know, and then he'd be like, I want to watch it again. He'd probably want to watch it a bunch, but I don't think there's anything like scarring in there. I mean, the jury's still out on whether or not I turned out well, but I think I turned out okay, uh, having seen it at a fairly young age. But I, just, I think uh, there is something like I, I, I kind of do th- I, like, I don't know how old uh, Connor was when you showed him Jaws for the first time, but I, I think you could show it to a pretty young kid and it's not scarring in a way. There's actually very interesting. Uh, I forget where I saw it, but they were saying someone. It was it was someone on Twitter, and I, I really do want to attribute it, but I I don't remember who it was. They said that they had showed Jaws shown Jaws to their kid, and they said, and their kid afterward, they said they weren't scared, and they said because when I heard the music, I knew that meant the shark was there, and if I didn't hear right, music, right. I knew there wasn't a shark. And they were like, I wonder if Spielberg did that on purpose for kids, or but or if it's just good storytelling. I don't know. It's just good. Yeah, I, I think it could it's, be a bit of both, but he, he I guess my, my end point was he taps into childish uh, fascination with sharks and dinosaurs is part and parcel with the fact that they eat the people. They could eat people with their big teeth. <laughs> and I think he, oh, yeah, definitely. He, he captures enough of the, like it, it's palatable enough for a kid to get as, to understand as just an adventure story that has a shark in it. And it also has all these other levels as you grow, like the movie grows with you in a way that's really awesome. I think it is acceptable for, for, for very young kids is what I'm saying. Show it to them as young as you can. <laughs> well, and you know, I realize that I am probably like a terrible arbiter of that because, you know, I was shown things at a very young age, but you know, my parents did a lot to help me understand that these are movies. Mm-hmm. My son's been interested in horror films ever since he could ask for movies, but it's partially because that's one of the things that I do. So he uh, has a much better understanding than I did at his age of what goes into making a movie. And a few years ago, he was already watching them on that level. Mm-hmm. Call me irresponsible, but <laughs> we watched the saw films a couple years ago and he was fascinated by them. And he's like, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. Like it didn't gross him out. It didn't creep him out. And he didn't have like nightmares about it. He was fascinated by you know a scene where the the guy gets like literally like quartered in one of the opening scenes i think Mm -hmm. and we we watched the the making of for almost all of those films all of the like this is how they did the gags this is like the thought process behind them and now the thing is at 14 he is overly precocious uh about storytelling and uh effects Mm -hmm. there are apps that he won't use because of the of the design of the app and there are, are games that he won't play because the control scheme is implemented poorly and the story isn't enough to make up for it. But I, th- I think well, that it sounds like a little jerk. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he sounds like a proto version of us, <laughs> but I think that the fact that like, I didn't really limit a lot of the things that he was exposed to in that way, but I tried to explain them to him in an adult manner. Like that's why he is how he is. Mm-hmm. That's why his understanding is where it is. And you know, he'll school me on things sometimes already because he reads about video games 
you know, <laughs> that's that's insane to me. Like video <laughs> games are for playing. <laughs> yeah, I think that exposing him to things like that, but I made sure to have the discussions and talk with him, you know, a lot of the same way that, that you and I talk about this stuff. I kind of instilled that in him and it made it so that he had an understanding of, you know, why these movies are important, why things work the way they do, you know, in storytelling and films and definitely made me feel a lot better. Like he's more prepared than some of his, you know, his peers at approaching these, this stuff. I mean, there are kids who still, you know, at his age, haven't seen a lot of the stuff that he's seen and they do, they come off as super sheltered sometimes and not to toot my own horn. I mean, raise your kids how you want, but <laughs> this is I the, did the, like the parenting section of our podcast. Yeah. The parenting section, he's definitely media savvy in a way that, that I wasn't. And I think, you know, just by nature of the way that the world is currently mm-hmm. kids are going to be more media savvy. They have access to it a lot more, which is why I think it's super important to expose them to it in like a safe environment, <laughs> much, much <laughs> like teaching them driving or teaching them about drugs or sex, expose them to it in a safe environment and help them get a bit better understanding of it. Because you know what? If you don't show your kids jaws, somebody else will. They're going to learn about jaws on the streets and <laughs> you don't want that. No, you don't. Uh, you, you definitely don't want them learning about jaws in the ocean, anywhere in the ocean. That would be a bad time to find out about jaws. Uh, yeah. I, I think they find out the hard way. Also, on a on a lake in Texas, yeah. still was pretty creepy. Well, they had a they had a diver who would uh, go grab people's legs. Yeah, he grabbed people's legs, and then, then he would turn on a red light under the water mm-hmm. to simulate the blood, which I thought was fantastic. Oh, I thought he was just turning on a light to be like, "Hey, it's just me." No, I, I think it was totally like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I totally didn't make that connection because I was super drunk. That's really that's that is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you haven't seen Jaws. What are you waiting for? And if you haven't seen it in, let's say, two hours and five minutes, you should probably get to that. <laughs> yes, the uh, I think we have to refer back to our one of our initial uh, names for this podcast, which was "You Should Be Watching Jaws." I mean, I know that normally we do our key takeaway from the film or our advanced studies, and I joked last time like the advanced studies should just be watch Jaws again. And it's sort of yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. I mean, I think I think. We, our whole podcast was full of takeaways yes. and my advanced study is to watch jaws again. I think, I think that's, yeah. that's about the best we can do with jaws. I mean, there's really nothing like it, even though there are all these ripoffs and sequels and homages, there's nothing that quite replicates jaws itself. Like the, you know, there are knockoffs that are, that are more worthy than others. There jaws two is actually a pretty decent movie. Kind of a, a slasher with a shark in it is kind of the general consensus lately. And I, I'm inclined to agree with that. It has a similar setup, even though it's a contemporary of Halloween, maybe even a little before Halloween in terms of its release date. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, except no substitutes, this is the best it gets when it comes to shark movies. The Shallows is really fun, but it ain't Jaws. I'm just, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I feel like every other movie should just say, mm. well, well, it ain't Jaws. Like yeah. That's the, it, you know, if, if you don't like it, well, it's no Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, it's no Jaws. Like that should be. Uh, in the lexicon mm-hmm. if, if anything if you like i said if you want to expand watch uh, blue water white death yeah it's not jaws but it is i think a really good documentary mm-hmm. as in being a document of the the place and time without much of an agenda it seems like it studies the people as much as it does the sharks i think oh definitely i guess if i if i could get in one 
sort of recommendation, but it's not really, but kind of. I mean, if you've already seen Jaws and you love Jaws and you somehow haven't seen Grizzly, that's probably my favorite Jaws knockoff because it's literally just, okay. it's literally just Jaws with a bear. <laughs> okay. See, there's two ways to take that. One of just them take it is, however you want. I mean, it is how it is, but take it how it, I, I, I'm fine with both interpretations of what I just said. I, I, I just want, I just want to see Jaws with a bear, like literally. Yeah, it's he's. I don't know if he's one of Brody's kids or if he takes the place of Quint. Uh, but Jaws with a bear would be amazing. And I mean, obviously, the car is another infamous one that's literally Jaws with a satanic car yes like an evil car that Guillermo del Toro is a big fan probably a bigger fan of it than I'll ever be but I, it is fun I think if you see it in the right frame of mind it's it's a ton of fun it has its own gleefully improbable moments that's the other thing that's that, that's interesting is like even I feel like every Jaws knockoff tried to kill a helicopter and like they're imitating Jaws too but like Grizzly has a scene, scene like that but that came out way before Jaws too so I don't know that's a weird tangent, I, but a totally understandable one, I think. <laughs> given uh, also what I know of your personal fascination with helicopters, we don't have to talk about helicopters too much. I know that you have like a secret shadow cast, <laughs> shadow podcast, where all you do is talk about your your helicopter fetish. But this is not the place for that. If you you know if you sync your frame rate just right, it looks like the blades aren't moving. If you're shooting a helicopter, oh, that's true. It's, it's pretty neat. The neat effect. Also, if you're just a few frames off, it looks like it's just one continuous blur. So yeah, yep. Which is also cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think we've we've exhausted. No, we haven't exhausted the possibilities what we could talk about. But I I haven't eaten anything all day. Okay. So I think I I think I'm I'm pretty hungry. Jaws always makes me hungry. Can't imagine why. uh, If only we could have some Texas barbecue. Oh, if only we, we never went to Franklin's. No, we, we missed like so many places, yeah. but we also ate at so many places. So. Well, and I, I got, uh, I picked up the slacker criterion and they have a whole documentary on this. They said the famous cafe Le, Les Amis. And I'm like, if that's still there, we totally should have gone. And I didn't even know about it. <sighs> okay. So that's we, it. we just have Take to go back. Yeah. We have to go yep. back. Yeah. We will be back at some point, maybe in not summer would be a good time. Like maybe like. Maybe if they have like an Indian summer, like a like a nice temperate fall, that'd be a good time to go. Yeah, I think we should just rent a house mm-hmm. for a week, eat all the food, and go to iHeart Video or I Love Video just every day. We should. We need to check out Vulcan. We didn't make it to Vulcan Video. That was like our no. goal, and then we passed by this like weird VHS oasis in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> hang on. Then we had to pull a U-turn and check that place out, and then thinking maybe we'll just you know. It's not the famous one that we've heard of, which is Vulcan. So it's right. probably not that great. And then, oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> it's beautiful in there. If I stay here past the time when they close and I find a good place to hide, could I do that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they'd find you in the morning, mm-hmm. your belly all distended from eating all the VHS tapes. It's delicious and they don't make it anymore. <laughs> it never goes bad. Well,. <laughs> Well, you can check us out on social media. You can follow me at aford88, that's aford88 on Twitter. And uh, please don't hesitate to email us at empathymachinepodcast at gmail.com with thoughts, responses, comments, questions, and or desperate pleas for us to stop. But do not at us uh, if you, you eat VHS tape and get sick. That was a joke. Yeah, don't do that. That's not, we're not serious about that. No, we're advocating violence, not eating VHS tapes. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Spartacus. That's S-P-A-R-T-I-C-K-E-S. 
Uh, make sure to rate and review the Empathy Me sh- imp- Hmm. Take two. Can you make a note? <laughs> no, don't. Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> Can't say the name of our own goddamn show. Yep. Okay. <laughs> make sure to rate and review the Empathy... Fuck. <laughs> leave it in. Oh, leave it in. Uh, oh, this is great. Make sure to rate and review the Empathy Machine podcast on iTunes. You can check out links to my work at the79hawks.com. That's the79hawks.com. This has been a 79 Hawks production, and we would like to thank our editor, Drew DeVore. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, we're sending you a long episode this thank time. Thank you, Drew. So thank you. One other quick note, uh, there'll be a lot of video essays linked that I don't know that we talked about in any detail other than the filmumentary. I would highly recommend checking all of them out. Uh, Spielberg is not a filmmaker uh, lacking in in video essays about him. There are plenty. Uh, I think we picked a few of the best and a few of the ones most specific to Jaws, but uh, that's a rabbit hole that doesn't seem to have uh, there's no bottom to it. It just keeps going. If you find any good ones that we did not link to, send them our way. Please do. I'll definitely watch them. I will always make time for for more stuff about Spielberg. In fact, when we were at I I Love VHS, they have the sections by director. I know we ended this show, but I have to I forgot about this and it's going to drive me nuts if I don't say it. And so they're by director and, and you know, occasionally I'd find, I'd see one. It's like, Oh, this is just the director over that someone returned it in the wrong spot or something, or someone was looking at it and they put it in the wrong spot. And then we get to Spielberg and I see this VHS tape there. It's, it's called the visionary. And I'm like, well, that's in the wrong spot. That's not Then I look at the back and it's like directed by Steven Spielberg. And I'm like, Oh, it must be some other guy named Spielberg. Nope. Same guy. It came out in, uh, it was released on VHS in like 1990. It was a mystery. It was like, he co-directed it with someone else whose name escapes me right now. And we had to look at, we looked up on IMDb and there's not a ton of information. Basically, it was a puzzle while we were in the, in the store. And then later we found out it, it seems like it is, it seems to be an episode of a show called The Psychiatrist that he directed from the 70s cut together with uh, something else. Yes. And I still haven't been able to find a way to watch that for myself. Maybe we'll have to make a trip back to Austin just to do that. Yeah. The, uh, you could buy a copy of the VHS on Amazon for like 48 bucks. So it's a little uh, salty. It's a little steep. Or you could uh, rent it from iHeartVHS in Austin, which is a wonderful place that you should check out if you live in Austin or within a six hour radius of the city. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Austin, for, host- for, for having us, for hosting us. <laughs> kind of. The hosting implies that, like, they paid. I mean, they, they were gracious hosts, I guess, in terms of they have. They're a wonderful city, but it was <laughs> we paid our we paid our own way, and it was six months. But it was great, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Uh, highly recommend everybody go. Thank you very much. Go watch Jaws. You should be watching Jaws. You should be watching Jaws. 